right, I'm done. Let's get to the sermon. If you have your Bibles, gosh, uh, turn to Romans chapter five. How many paper Bibles do we have? Just by lifting them up. Just a couple of you. Awesome. Go to Romans 5. If you have a digital Bible, you can open your Bible app as well. The YouVersion notes are there. You will find the texts that we will be reading from, as well as the big idea and the discussion um, questions. And so as you're turning to Romans 5, um, I want to give a brief synopsis of last week. Um, Kaylee preached a sermon um, about the importance of Jesus's humanity and how it was through his humanity that he was able able to relate to us and live a perfect life that you and I, we obviously know that we have not lived a perfect life. And so Jesus lived the life that we could not live. And so if you missed that sermon, feel free to go to Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts, and um, you can type, type in Bethel YTH, and you will see it pop up, and you can check out any sermon within the last couple of years and uh, catch up on that. Um, so I want to give you a brief context of the book of Romans. Uh, the book of Romans was written by the Apostle Paul to the church in, does anybody know? The city it was, he was writing to. Super close. It looks like a boot. Does anybody? Italy. Rome. Rome. He's writing, oh, that's ironic, um, was written by the Apostle Paul to the church in the city of Rome. Um, This is one of the most extensive uh, books in the Bible written about the good news of the gospel of Jesus. I want to give you a brief outline. Chapter 1 of Romans, all humanity is trapped in sin and needs rescued. Chapter 2, we cannot be rescued by obeying the rules of the Jewish law. Chapter 3, Jesus has rescued us from our sins. Amen. Chapter 4, this was to create a new multi-ethnic family of God. Chapters 5 through 16 lays out how God is working within the nation of Israel as well as within this new family and how it operates. And obviously that is just a snippet. If you want to know more about uh, the, the book of Romans, we have linked in the version notes um, a Bible project overview video, part one of two, um, to just give you all of the themes and all of the topics that are within the book of Romans. It's super, super good and super helpful. Um, would you stand with me as Olivia comes? She is going to read Romans chapter 5, verses 12, and then we're going to turn a couple pages to the left. Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 24. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people, because all sinned. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith, In Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by this by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. Yes, that's it. Sorry. Good job, Olivia. You may be seated, says the word of the Lord. If you were to summarize, if you're taking notes, this would be a really good thing for you to write down. If you were to summarize all of these verses, you could summarize it this way. No matter who you are, you are a sinner needing a Savior. Such a happy thought. You are a sinner needing a Savior. Um, It doesn't take us long to realize that the world that we live in is not perfect and has its flaws. Would you agree with that? It doesn't take long. 
And even saying humanity is imperfect and has flaws is like a really nice way of putting it. Like if we were to bluntly put, um, like if we were just to put it bluntly, society is selfish and evil and is only concerned about the needs of the individual. And obviously, like, this is a generalization. Not every single person in society is driven by evil and selfishness. And so I don't believe it fully encapsulates, like, the reality that um, all people are this way. Um, because there are people who genuinely try to do good and make the world a better place. In fact, I don't even think you have to be a Christian in order to have a positive impact on society. So I want to ask one question and I want you guys to, to answer this question. In what ways have you seen society moving in a positive direction? Where have you seen society moving in a positive direction? Go for it, Anthony. Oh, yeah, totally. That's a, that's a great observation. Yeah. Yes. Both. Both and. Okay, we'll go to somebody else. Someone was over here. Where have you seen society moving in a positive direction? Hunter. What? Gross. Anna, that's not gross. Certain situations, it'll probably be good. That's, that's a great response. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, no, that's good. Joey. <laughs> Society moved in a positive direction when Luis made a hamburger. That's not a wrong statement. Yeah, Ali. That's... Oh, man, that was quick. Sure. Yeah, no, that's perfect. Okay, so uh, conversely, uh, or the opposite of that, how have you seen society moving in the opposite direction? And I want to give a caveat here. This is not a time to bash anybody. Like, we need to be respectful in our responses to this. But how have you seen maybe society not moving in a positive direction? <laughs> One word. Uh, you're not wrong either. Uh, Megan. Yeah, that's super good. I put an app timer on YouTube on my phone today, so there's that. <laughs> yeah. On my app timer? Thanks. You guys should all put app timers on your social media apps. I have 30 minutes on Instagram, 45 on YouTube. You guys. 
That was moving in a negative direction. Yeah, Hunter. Oh, my gosh. It's jelly and peanut butter mixed. All right, anybody in this section over here, uh, any ways that you've seen? He loves his peanut butter and jelly. Any ways that you guys have seen maybe society not moving in a positive direction? Faith. All right, wrap us out, Allie. <laughs> That's funny. It's true. <laughs> Here's I, this just popped into my head. This isn't in my notes. This is free. Um, we have an, a presidential election coming up, so that's going to be really fun. <laughs> um, so what we can conclude is that um, there are ways to impact society positively, just like you guys stated. Um, but humanity continues to impact society in many negative ways. And as we look at the world, looking at positive and looking at negative, we're going to focus a little bit on the negative today. Um, we have to ask the question, why is that? Like, why do we um, see uh, the negative impact on society? Why do we continually make decisions that can benefit ourselves but are simultaneously damaging to others? And the reason for this is really simple. It's one word, and the word is sin. And since we are a church, we approach this topic from a biblical perspective. And if you were to literally or figuratively um, turn to the beginning of your Bible, um, we will find an explanation of the questions, where did we come from and why does evil exist? So if we read Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2, we read about the beauty of creation and the personal way in which God created humanity. Uh, Genesis 1 and 2 talks about the creation of the earth, uh, animals, and humanity. And he says that humanity is made um, in his image and in his likeness. God created humans to be a reflection of his character. But here's the thing, when you start to read chapter 3, you will see the story change. You'll see the narrative shift. Adam and Eve are introduced to a talking snake, which can we just say that that's weird? And um, it's on like the third page of the Bible, and there's a talking snake. We're not going to get into that right now, but we'll just recognize that it's crazy. Um, we're introduced to a talking snake, and this talking snake um, questions God's goodness. And what this, what this serpent does is it introduces doubt into the minds of, of Eve specifically, but also Adam. And the serpent challenges whether God is good and full of wisdom or is just holding things back from him. So we're going to read Genesis chapter 3, verses 4 through 7. This is a serpent topping, talking right here. He says, you will not certainly die. The serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave uh, some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So after this, if you continue reading in chapter 3, you will find um, that uh, God finds them hiding in the shame of what they had done. Here's the reality. You've felt what they were feeling in this moment. 
You've chosen to do something that you knew wasn't right, but self-control was not at work within your heart and in your mind, or at least maybe not enough, um, and you gave in to the temptation. Um, I've caught my kids with the smell of chocolate on their breath and Kit Kat wrappers under their pillows. And they told me they didn't, Madison specifically, told me that she did not eat any candy. And we also know that that was a lie. Um, I've seen intrusive thoughts with my kids um, when they decide to hit their sister or lick the shopping cart. You just... You see it. You see it in their eyes. You see it like they are thinking about this. And, yep, it won. They just smacked each other with it. Um, I have seen also um, uh, a boy standing at the edge of the pool in Chehalis contemplating whether or not he should go to the bathroom or just pee right there. I've watched him. And I'm like, don't do it. Megan and I were sitting there. We're like, don't do it, man. Don't do it. And you could see it in his eyes. This is the biggest decision he's ever made in his life. And what does he do? Does he turn around to go to the bathroom? No. He stands there. And you watch the pee run down his shorts. And you're like, this is disgusting. And then he proceeds to get in the pool and do a little bit of one of these numbers, you know? And look around. You're like, you gross human. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But on a more serious note, you've known what you said to your friend or to a stranger wasn't kind and wasn't loving. You know that the pages that you follow on TikTok and Instagram aren't appropriate. You know that your search history would reveal things that you aren't proud of. And these things are the results of sin. These, are, these things result from defining wisdom for ourselves and not trusting what God has put into place. And sometimes in those moments of weakness and struggle, we can feel shame for the decision that we are making. But please know that shame, uh, the shame that you feel is not from God. You feel shame from the enemy who wants to steal and kill your, your soul, as the Bible says. The Holy Spirit will convict you about your actions, thoughts, and words. But here's a distinction that we need to know. Conviction and shame are not the same thing. Conviction brings you to a place of repentance, and shame takes you to a place of hiding. And what we see here in Genesis chapter 3, and what we see sin often doing is moving us into a place of shame. But God wants us to move us not into a place of shame, but into a place of conviction and repentance. And this interaction with God is filled with hope, even as we read about this hopelessness that's happening. He talks about the the consequences of trusting in their own wisdom instead of trusting him, which included separation from God. But but in Genesis chapter 3, verse 21, we see the foreshadowing of what Jesus would later do for all of humanity. Verse 21, let's read this. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed him. And so it's really easy to read over verse 21 and kind of gloss over it and not recognize the importance of it. But what we see here is God kills an animal and covers their shame with its fur. And this is the first instance of a life being taken to cover the price of sin. Yet even in this, God provided a way for them to be covered. It was nothing that they did. It was what, Jesus, what God did for them. And later, Jesus would be the ultimate sacrifice for our sins to cover our shame. 
And in Genesis 3, everything changed. Humanity finds itself thousands of years later indebted to its sin. We've been trying to find a way out, oftentimes with no solution. But if we look at these scriptures, we can find hope. In Romans chapter 5, verse 12, we read it, Olivia read it a few moments ago. Paul says that sin entered the world through, quote, one man. And this one man is a reference to Adam and Eve in Genesis 3. And the name Adam, which could kind of be pronounced as Adam, it means humanity. And so Paul is saying that since sin came into the world through humanity, it would need to be reconciled through humanity. Hence why Jesus' humanity, how many times can I say humanity in a sentence, um, is so important. That's why Jesus' divinity is important, but also Jesus' humanity is extremely important, as Kaylee uh, spoke about last week. And the sin introduced into the world did not just stay with Adam and Eve. It carried on and carries on to, to this day and will continue until the just and the unjust are judged before God. And as you can see, I hope what you're understanding here is that sin is a big deal. Sin is not just like saying, I hate you to somebody. Sin is something that enslaves us and, um, and traps us. This is far bigger than Adam and Eve eating a piece of fruit and wanting to decide wisdom for themselves and wanting to decide what they want to do with their lives. They didn't fully know, I don't think, they fully knew what would happen after this decision, but thousands of years later, here we are. And sin has been passed down from generation to generation. So therefore, no matter who you are, you are born a sinner who needs saving. Sin is like a family heirloom. You don't choose it. Sometimes you don't want it, but it doesn't matter. You get it. Uh, the yellow crocheted blanket from your grandma, it's yours, no matter if you want it. It's pink? Okay, you, it doesn't matter if you don't want it. You have to keep it. Um, grandma's casserole, casserole dish. Uh, those funky plastic colored um, pitchers that your grandma has with the little wavy tops on it with a little push button in the middle. Yeah, you got to keep those because it's a family heirloom. Uh, old tools from your maybe grandparents. Um, an old jacket that your grandpa wore in his 50s. That's what I tried or someone my grandma tried to give me. The thing is you don't have a choice. It's just a part of life. Um, it's also like your last name. Of course, you don't choose your last name. You're born into the family. Unfortunately, sometimes baggage included. And Paul talks about this in Romans chapter three. He says, there is no difference between Jew and Gentile for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so this Roman church that Paul is writing to is filled with Jews and non-Jews. And these two groups of people are radically different and have never really had to coexist until Jesus came onto the scene. And so we have to ask the question, why do they have to coexist now? Um, the reason is that Jesus came to offer salvation to all people, regardless of their ethnic, economic, or religious background. As you can imagine... This causes tension. When there are two different types of people, two different groups of people, it causes tension because the Jews have been, quote, God's chosen people for thousands of years, and now others are allowed to join the family. And so that means that the family is going to look different. It's going to smell different. It's going to operate different. But here's the thing. It was God's plan to include all nations from the beginning of time. But the Jews often missed that point. 
they often viewed themselves as better than the non-Jews and demanded that they do certain things in order to be saved. And these things that they were demanding were often outside of the gospel that Jesus taught and what Paul is saying. And so he's saying, no matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, you both suck and you are both being held captive by sin and are destined for death without Jesus. So Paul is saying that we have all fallen short of God's perfection, which is a problem because death is attached to sin. But here's the thing. God has always had a plan for redemption. Romans chapter 3, verse 24. All are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Friends, this is the way out of being controlled by sin and death. Paul says that we can be justified by the grace of God through Jesus. When Paul says that these Jewish and non-Jewish Christians are justified, he means that they are declared righteous. And the word translated justified is used to describe a person no longer being defined by their past actions and are now in right standing with God. Paul also says in verse 24 that our sin has been justified freely. This means that our righteousness isn't because of something that we did right. It was the free gift of God that was bestowed upon us through Jesus, through our repentance. And so Paul also goes on to say that our redemption comes from Jesus. And the word translated uh, that we get redemption is what would happen to slaves when their freedom was purchased. And in this context, Paul is saying that Jesus' death on the cross paid our penalty for sin. So to be redeemed means we are holy, forgiven, justified, free, adopted, and reconciled back to God. One writer put it this way, we, we were slaves to sin condemned to eternal separation from God. Jesus paid the price to redeem us, resulting in our freedom from slavery to sin and our rescue from the eternal consequences of that sin. And so when we look at our world, we know why it is the way that it is and we shouldn't be surprised by that. The reason the world is the way that it is is because it's still controlled by sin. And like I just said, we shouldn't be surprised by that. People are held captive by their sins and they cannot find the solution. The solution is Jesus and that solution is to to be made public by us as the body of Christ. So if you were to summarize all of this and leave with one thought, it's this. There is no way out of the bondage of sin except through Jesus. And so as we um, kind of wrap this up and we go into our our small groups, um, I want us to, to reflect on the weight of our sin, but also um, reflect on the importance that Jesus paid for our sin. So what I want us to do is make a rhythm of, in our life of repenting of our sin and thanking him for taking that weight on the cross. 
If you're already a Christian, you've already surrendered your life to Jesus and made him the Lord of your life, then I want us to, to make a rhythm of always living in a repentant life. And if maybe you have yet to surrender your life to Jesus and you would like to do that, um, your small group leader would love to talk with you and would love to pray with you um, about giving your life to Jesus and just kind of the implications of that. Or maybe you just have questions about following Jesus and you want to talk to somebody about that. Your small group leader would love to do that tonight. And so um, what we're going to do is we're going to release into our small groups. We're going to talk about some questions, and uh, and then your small group leader will dismiss you. So the guys are in the back of the room. Uh, girls are in the front of the room. Middle school is on this side. Um, high school is on this side.